This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Skull Splitter Dice, sponsoring a Tome Show listener contest. Be sure to enter to win. It's also brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for using The Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links, and to our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash Show. Welcome to The Tome Book Club for technically July of 2020. The Tome is a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. In each book club episode, we discuss one D&D-related book, spoilers be damned, in full book club style. And our book this time around is The Crimson Legion by Troy Denning. The next episode, which will be coming in September, yes, end of, end of September, is we will be reading The Killing Moon by N.K. Jemisin. Uh, with me, as always, is Eric Paquette. Welcome back, Eric. Good to be back, as usual. Yeah. We've got two two uh, book clubs in a row without Tracy, uh, but I think there's good reason for that. She just bought a house. Uh, in fact, I think last time we recorded, they were just working on the purchasing of housing, uh, and now they've just bought a house, and they've moved. Um, so... Uh, or in the process of moving and what have you. So I, I get that she doesn't have a ton of extra free time around to, to read books. So it's a it's a big thing, you know, but it's a good thing. It's a it's a big thing. It's a good thing, uh, but it means that we are we are podcasting without supervision again. <laughs> Going wild. What trouble are we going to get into? Two wild and crazy guys like us. <laughs> Uh, we're actually uh i think i I mentioned before we started uh streaming or recording that uh, we're recording on what was my first day of school so i am in many ways exhausted um but oftentimes i find that doing these podcasts actually energizes me and picks me up a little bit so um that'll be good for me i will try to make sure to get your entertained and energized right very good Okay, so I should mention to our listeners that we have been, uh, as I alluded to recently, uh, streaming many of our Tome Show recordings at twitch.tv slash Tome Show. So if you wanted to to watch how the sausage gets made, or in this case, I think we we chit-chatted about what our next book was going to be for like eight minutes before we started recording. So if you're, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, um, you can always come and watch us live that way. Uh, the easiest way to get notified is to either follow us on Twitch or follow us on Twitter, where I always tweet it out. Uh, everything we stream eventually uh, gets edited and released in the podcast. And if you miss the stream but want to watch the video, I usually post it on YouTube uh, later on as well. So you can find the Tome Show there. It's also worth noting that we are running a contest right now, which is another reason that you might want to go and follow us on Twitch. Um, the contest is sponsored by Skull Splitter Dice. They are providing some really fantastic bundles uh, over a four-month period, and we're currently in the middle of bundle number three, month three of giving away. We gave away uh, based on people on Twitter. We gave away to uh, people based on Facebook. Uh, and this month, this bundle, which is actually a really nice bundle with several sets of metal dice and a nice little tray that folds up, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of jealous at whoever wins this one. Um, not that I haven't been jealous before, but 
this one stands out to me as, as being particularly cool. Uh, if you want to have a chance to be entered to win this month, and this month is August because I don't know when you're listening to this in podcast land, uh, you need to follow The Tome Show on Discord or, or join the uh, Discord server uh, in order to be entered to win. You can email us at thetomeshow uh, at gmail.com. You can tweet us. You can send us a message on Facebook. Some you know, we, we try not to be hard to get a hold of. Uh, reach out to us. Get the link to join the Discord server uh, and join that server to, to chat with some of our wonderful uh, Tome Show hosts, guests, listeners who are super cool people. It's, it's a pretty good conversation over there. Uh, you're on there fairly regularly as well. I am on there. Yeah. We've been having competition for leveling. You you are probably uh, on there more often than I am at this point because um, getting the school year started has been uh, yeah. con- all consuming for me this year. Yeah. So, uh, so so that's that's it. That's that's all the stuff I have to say. Let's get to the book. So we read book two of the Prism Pintad. By yeah. Troy Dinning. It's the second book. The Prison Pintad is uh, a very well-known series set in the second edition D&D setting of Dark Sun, uh, which is, or at least it was written during the second edition era. Um, yeah. Although Dark Sun was, they published a version fourth ed. Did they publish a third ed version? Uh, Atas.org did a its own version in third edition. Yeah, there was like an, the, an unofficial started version. Started out in second edition. Yeah, the official one for... There was no thing that was published officially other than third <coughs> tradition fan stuff right. that was done. So I believe Reverend Dushi, who was part of that, was was that or also was involved with yeah. that publication. So. Right, right. So, so yeah, so it's a mostly been a second edition setting. Um, and, and for those who don't know Dark Sun or didn't listen to our discussion, it must have been probably a year or so ago, uh, of the first book. Dark Sun is sort of a post-apocalyptic D&D world where, um, in 4th edition terms, I actually really liked, if if you're familiar with the 4th edition cosmology, the sort of history of, of existence, right, they always argued that in you know sort of in the beginning there were primordials these these ancient sort of elemental beings that that brought existence into creation but they were basically horrible and destructive and then the gods came into existence and sort of defeated them in the in the dawn war at the beginning of time yeah. right yeah it's like, um, it's like so, the greek gods the gods and the titans right kind of the greek gods and the titans absolutely uh the one of my favorite explanations of Dark Sun is, well, let's imagine the gods lost, right? That's kind of Dark Sun, right? The primordials, these these ancient these ancient destructive elemental beings won. Yeah. Uh, so there are no gods. Yeah, it's it's very much a sword and source sword and sorcery mm-hmm. sandal type type of world mm-hmm. uh, with. Psionic powers basically being predominant for purposes of everyone has access to and everything can has psychic powers. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's no gods in this in the world. Uh, elements are the ones who are providing. Almost one one character is the cleric of the sun, which we'll be able to get to, right. to deal more in detail. But basically, the elemental planes are in power. 
And there's evil sorcerer kings who also grant power to their worshippers. Right. And those are the more commonly known as clerics or Templars. But they're the, they're the sorts of government and they tend to be evil or dictator. dictator well, yeah, because they're following sorcerer kings who, who tend to be pretty horrible t- tyrants, right? Yeah. Although it, it did occur to me in this book as we were... Uh, as I was reading it, that the Templars in particular would translate pretty darn well to 5th edition as warlocks, as a particular warlock build, yes. with the well, Sorcerer King as a, as a That's the way that 4th edition dealt with Templars. Right. Templars were a warlock and their pact was with the Sorcerer King. Nice, yeah. So, so, so yeah, so that's kind of Dark Sun in, in a nutshell. In the first book, to recap, we, we met um, Rikus, yeah, uh, who is, despite there being sort of a, a a collection of characters, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Rikus is clearly intended to be the main character. Is that fair? No, you will we will see. But the way that the way it's structured for the, the whole pe- prison pentab, the first book is involving the three main characters, uh-huh. which is. Rikus, Sadira, and Ages of Assicles. Then the next three books, so Crimson Legion focuses on Rikus, Amber Sorceress focuses on Sadira. Mm. And the fourth book, which I forget the name right now, uh, the Obsidian Oracle deals with Agis. And then Sun Storm at the end gets them all back together and they finish off the main arc of the story of okay. their goals that they're going to build it. Okay, so it's just because this is the book we most recently read that it occurs to me that Rikus yeah. feels like, or Rikus, however you want to... Uh, I've always said it Rikus, and then the audiobook said Rikus, so now I've gotten in that habit. But the audiobook also said that it was written by Brian Dinning, not Troy Dinning, and I'm like, that's weird. And then they did it again okay. at the end when they gave the final credits, and I'm like, so it wasn't just a mistake, like somebody like wrote the script wrong and they've just kept it for the years that this has been available on audible and that's strange i don't remember them making that mistake in the first book but i always pronounce it as rickus because to me my mind is like oh it's like eric but without the e and and s so that's how i pronounced it so (laughs) okay sure (laughs) absolutely so yeah so and i guess my first exposure to dark sun was like my junior high high school days and you look at the cover of the books or whatever and and rickus is kind of a badass right so that's kind of the character yeah. that, that he my is head... because yeah he is the big badass the half dwarf right the, the mole or the mule uh character who is the gladiator that fights in combat so you have the big warrior right so Thanks. So yeah, so I guess I always had a particular affinity for him because of that, right? Because I was a teenager and not very mature, and whoever the the big badass on the cover was 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 clearly the main person, right? <laughs> the most interesting person. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, for me, yeah, go for ahead. me, Dark Sun was my first D and D published setting that I ever got. I remember at Christmas or my birthday, which were close enough that doesn't really matter, that I got it. Christmas, the nice. box set, the first box set. With the, no, no, they so. had the, like the cloth map in it. 
The cloth mat actually came in the second set. The second version, okay. The second set. The first set had a paper, but the second set, they expanded the world, but they provided a cloth map of the original map. They still yes. have it, and it's a beautiful, beautiful map. Yeah. So, Excellent. It's very thematic. So we're talking a lot about Dark Sun so far, and there's no way we're going to do that better than some other people are already doing it. There's a... Uh, what, 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 yes. Oh, shoot. What's the name of it? The, the Mr. Um, and Mark folks have a, a Dark Sun yes. specific podcast. Uh... Sword Bone of Blood or something like that. Uh, anyway, we're not going to discuss Dark Sun better than they do. So if you want to know a lot about Dark Sun, oh. there's a fantastic... Well, listen to Bone, Stone, and Obsidian. Bone, Stone, and Obsidian. That's it. Um, go, go listen to that uh, because they're going to talk about it way better than we are. Uh, but we're going to talk about this specific book. Big summary of the, of the first book is the fact that we meet our three heroes with their supporting cast. They go off and they kill off their sorcerer king of their city and free all the slaves. Right. Now there's a new a new person in charge who's not really a sorcerer king. No, his head Templar, Thithian, took yes. over as being king because he knows the city, he knows how to manage the city, and he's also very ambitious. Right. So, But, he, but part of the deal was, uh, in order to get everybody on board that they made the city of Tyr, which is the name of the city, a free city. So there's no longer any slaves and, and what have you. Uh, Rickus and, and Sidira and companions sort of gathered together and then they, uh, and, and took their legion off to go do things that you do with your army, marching around in the desert and taking care of potential enemies and what have you. And that's sort of where this story picks up is uh, yeah. Rick, Rickus and company are out with their legion. Well, it started a bit, a bit beforehand where basically uh, Titian is learning dragon magic, which is a bit more powerful form of magic. And then uh, they are hearing, with their scouts, they are hearing that Uric, notice in the state, is sending a, uh, a an army to take over Tyr because it's available for the picking. And also... The iron mine, the only iron mine that is in the in the region that's been supplied is owned by Tear, and now it has not been operated for months because there's no more slaves. Right. So, so the whole the whole region has been destabilized because of the lack of the iron trade and and all of yeah. that. Yeah, because in Darkstone, iron is a rare commodity. Right. Right. Most. Weapons and most items will be made of bone or wood or obsidian. Not a, not a lot of wood either because it's a big desert. But no, <laughs> but bone, stone, and obsidian, right? That's what the name of that podcast was. That <laughs> so that's why yeah. they called it that. Bone, stone, obsidian, those are those. But yeah, so, so yeah, so they hear of it. So Titian gives the order to uh, have them because another part of that is that Titian being ambitious, he realized that if he sends. Rickus, Neva, Aegis, and Sabira with the army, not fully prepared, he expects them to die and not live. Right. And he can get rid of them and now have full control of the city for himself rather than always have them over his shoulder. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's part of his uh, his sort of ambition, right, is, is this is an opportunity for him to maybe get rid of some potential rivals, um, even if, like, I don't think that Rickus or, or any of the others, like, ever had a particular thought in their mind that they would challenge um, 
I think the only one that could potentially fake up challenging would be Aegis because he's nobility and he knows how to rule stuff. Well, and and, and Aegis wasn't really in this book. Like, there was no. sort of the, like, and, and this is one of the things that, pacing is weird in books, <laughs> you know? So there are moments where I'm like, okay, like move on. You don't need to get into every detail of, uh, you know, in this time period. It's not that important. Get along. Yeah. But then we've also run into the last several books that we've read where there's just moments where the author's like, okay, and then let's just skip ahead. We're at this now and this other thing happened. Don't worry about it, right? And in this case, it was, you know, oh, the Legion went and did its thing. And, you know, Aegis and some others, they just went back to, to Tyr. Don't worry yeah. about it. You know, it's not important. They're not around anymore. So Aegis uh, and, and, and et al., uh, you know, were kind of mentioned as going off with the Legion. And then it was, yeah, don't worry about it. They're on their way back to Tyr. And then it was like, hey, they haven't gotten back to Tyr yet. I wonder what happened. And then later it's just like, okay, well, they made it back. It's fine. <laughs> you know, so there's a lot going on back in Tyr that we're not privy to. And as I said, this book focuses on Rikus, and the other two books will be focusing one on Sidira and one on Aegis right. and what they've been they've been doing. I don't remember if the timeline sinks, but well, so their stories. And that would be weird if the timeline synced up because Sidira is there with Rikus, isn't she? No, she's not. Neva is. Oh, okay, okay. So maybe I, yeah, okay. Sadira's the, the half-elf sorceress. Yeah, mm. see, it's been so long since we read the first book that yeah. they, they were thrown the names of these characters a lot of times, and I have very little recollection of who they are uh, or what's going on with them or why they but yeah, were. Yeah, but Aegis was the noble mindbender. Okay, so the psionicist. The psionicist, yeah. yeah. Which, which you, you can't have him around because... Dealing with another psion powerful psionicist is kind of the big crux of this whole thing. So if, if he was exactly. around, it might put, throw a wrench in the in the plot. Yeah. <laughs> so. And also for Sidira, involving magic would also have been a crutch in the whole plot too. Right. So. Or at the very least, they wouldn't have had to rely on the cleric as much as they did for magic. Like that, the cleric played yes. a major role in providing the magical. Um, yeah. And and, th and that's what something else this story did is it it added um, characters fairly fast and loose in some cases like that cleric wasn't so much added fast and loose like we were introduced to him and, and um, yeah and sort of he he came along with us but they threw in uh, a half giant and a thrycreen like oh yeah we found these guys too no big deal now they're in the group <laughs> you know and the and the half giant barely plays a, much of a role plot wise in the story you know. His role is towards the end, he busts some holes in some walls or whatever, and that's about it, right? Uh, the Thrycreen shows up a bunch. Yeah. I, I, I almost feel like they got to this book and the setting book was out and they realized, oh, there's all these really cool uh, player race options in the setting for the D&D game. Uh, we should throw some of them into the books because people like those, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, interestingly enough, the battle that gets seen early on of uh, defending Thier from your, the Eurokite army, there is a, there is an adventure. Oh, yeah? The second adventure of Dark Sun is, that, is you get in, folks, and you fight off that, ba that battle. Uh, was that the same battle where they fought off the Urukite army from the Dwarven settlement? Uh, it's a bit before the Dwarven settlement. Okay. 
that battle. Basically, they it's the one that basically. So they fight a battle, then yeah. then part I mean, of the it might have been a Wadorn and Seven Kled, okay. but it is. But then, but then the Aegis and Sidira leave, and then they and, and then they liberate Kled. Because they had to do it without the without the help. I remember that was a thing, yes. right? And so they did the whole like infiltrating by by pretending to surrender and whatever, and then and then they basically started they, they surrendered, became enslaved, and then became a slave rebellion because you know they're a bunch of gladiators. They've done this before. They've done slave rebellions. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so. This is this is this is literally the tactic of Rickus. Because he's a, been a gladiator all his life. He has not been a military commander or whatever. And now he's trusted being a military commander. So right. he does what he knows. Oh, okay, well, let's rebel and just fight that stuff up. So there's a big story about him trying to maintain command of, right. of the, the, the army throughout the story. I was surprised after the liberation of Clad how quickly the 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 reveal came that the world of dark sun of athos didn't used to be so horrible right i i know the times that i've played in dark sun like that's a big reveal that that every every group eventually comes to right every, every group eventually learns oh no the world used to be green and lush and everything was great um you know uh and so i was surprised that yeah, we've learned about that in the first book. When they go see in the first book, they actually go visit the the ancient uh, the mm -hmm. the halflings in the big jungle, and they learn through that that no, the jungle used to be all across uh, right, the right. region. They do, so. yeah, you're right. And then and then again in this book, like it hits really early. You know, they yeah. they get into Kled and they're like, oh, come down into our ruins and the tombs, and we'll we'll show you uh, all these great artifacts that we have, and then give them to you because I don't know, you're cool and you're Rickus. Uh, you, you saved our city. So. <laughs> you saved our city, and so let us give you our most you know sacred artifacts. <laughs> <and delicious> items, <laughs> yes. Which yes. is a little like well, well that went that went fast. I guess at least at least Rickus is at least part dwarf, right? So well, they were about to give the book of Camelot Kings because this was the lost city of Camelot. Camelot, Camelot. I mean I don't know. But anyways, they were about to give him and then the bad guy of Murik comes in and, and steals it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they gave him the other stuff to be able, okay. We need to go get this back. Right, right. Yeah, and that's sort of. I mean, you kind of get this backstory with the dwarves, and 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 you where you really find out. Oh well, Athos used to be the thing that you you learn that where Athos used to be a, a not you know strange apocalyptic desert was when you're down in the mausoleum and like here's statues of the great dwarven heroes and and kings of yore and they're you know traditional fantasy dwarves with big long beards and. The, even the dwarves of today are look at them. It's like, well, well, that's gross. Don't they get sand in their hair all the time? You know, so, yeah. Because clearly, dwarves have evolved in such a way that they don't grow any hair. No, um, or they shave a lot. Or they shave a lot. Yeah, uh, and yeah. and they're and they have you know they're shown in full suits of plate mail armor and and you know all that kind of stuff that doesn't exist in uh, modern day Athos. So, yeah. um, and and on and honestly, like Rickus takes that in in stride surprisingly like it was no big deal you know um maybe because of what happened in the first book i, I don't remember but but he like as much as it, it occurs to me that that anytime i've played the game that's supposed to be like a big deal reveal um 
Rickus doesn't know. Like, oh, okay, cool. It's just dwarves, and they got plate mail. No big deal, right? Yeah. Well, there's part of it that over the first book, but also the fact that gladiators are known, and especially Rickus was known to be able to easily to adapt to surrounding and accept stuff. He's not the brightest individual of the of the of our heroes, and he doesn't try to really understand stuff. He just mm-hmm. tends on okay, accept it, and just how do I use this? Right. That's so. true. He does. And they give him a magic belt that used to, uh, that was it that it used to belong to one of the kings. Yes. And they King give him Ricard. and they give him the the a magic sword that was used to kill that king. Is that right? The, the scourge of Ricard. The, the king used that to kill off uh, Boris of Eve. Oh, okay. I thought it was the other way around that it was used to kill the king. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, Ricard was the king. Yes. Yes. Right. Um, and so, and, and then, uh, then, yeah, the book is stolen by the, the big bad leader of the Urukites, which, who's a, a powerful psionicist sneaks in, uh, what was it? Yeah. Previous owner of, uh, of Rickus. Right. Uh, swoops in, in the form of a, what was it in the form of like a, a sandstorm or whatever, steal the, steals the book and, and swoops out. And now they're now they're like, oh well, now we have to chase him down. And and of course, Rickus is like, well, I'm an I, I'm an adventurer, basically. Uh, we got to go hunt this down, and you know, I guess I'm in charge of this army, so they got to come too. <laughs> and then the dwarves the dwarves join as well. And a cleric, Caelan, a dwarven sun cleric, comes in, which which is a rarity. Uh, clerics are are rare in Dark Sun. Um, clerics are rare in Dark Sun. They tend to be el- elements. Right. Sun clerics are even rarer because their sun is actually a parallelmental plane mm. of uh, and one thing that's interesting, Achillam is different from what is normally described for sun clerics. Because when in the book Earth I'll show you that here. This book, one of the supplements, which is all about clerics, uh, earth, air, fire, and water, uh they actually deal with the four paramentals, which is uh, sun, magma, silt, and rain. Those are the four, four paramentals. Three of those tend to focus on trying to destroy rather than save Atas, which is sun, silt, and magma. Rain is the only one of those that actually want to help. So the so those three, so a sun cleric has a tendency to be towards towards being evil rather than being helpful and good. Right, and that was not this the Callum case. Callum is probably more of a towards a neutral bent. That's neutral, maybe good. That's I would see, but being a dwarf, dwarves in Dark Sun establishes themselves and have a focus, a goal in life. That and if they do not, if they die. Ignoring that goal, they become a, a banshee, an undead mm-hmm. banshee. And and this cleric um, sets his focus on pr- the protection of, of was it Neva? Is that her name? Yes. Also, it was one of those things where th- well, well, that happened fast. Like this dwarf, like takes this really big deal idea of a focus and like sets it on this person he's just met. Yeah, that was quick and. Reckless, but okay. Uh, the Legion then marches after the Urukite army. 
Um, they get to a valley they have to get through. The valley is being guarded by uh, a band, a civilization almost, of, of escaped slaves that are being led by some giant mutant desert creature that, that gained ascensions, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, they try to negotiate to go past. They're not too sure mm -hmm. until uh, Rickus had taken from one of the Templars a communications crystal to be able to speak to Titian. So he said, well, here, speak to my king, and he will be able to negotiate and give you a deal and all that, which Titian promptly, quickly betrays Rickus. Oh, yeah, yeah. T T Titian was very quickly like, yes, cool, we got a deal, but do me a favor, kill this guy yeah. for me, right? Get, get, get Rickus out of my way. And, and Rickus also very quickly like, Okay, well, so I guess you got a deal. Ha, stab, right? <laughs> I mean, Rickus didn't have any plan on, on actually making good on any deal that, that Tithian made. He was always going to betray the deal and kill the guy anyway. The, the leader is killed off. The tribe does not follow the Legion as, he, as Rickus wanted, but they do let him, to, let him pass. <laughs> They get through the the valley or, or past the, the 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 freed slave folks. Yeah. Um, there's another battle with the Urukites, and this time a a shadow giant yes. um, that has been yeah that has been hired by or put you know some inscripted by yeah. yes uh, by by the the Urukite guy whose name now for, uh, escapes me. Metan. There you go. What he said, um, <laughs> and so they end up fighting this this shadow giant, which are apparently like really powerful uh, magic creatures in Dark Sun. Or yeah. at least this well, one giants was. in general in Dark Sun are very very powerful. All of their strengths in Second Edition stats were their strength was at twenty five, which in Second Edition was the highest you could go. Right. So, so there you go. So. Uh, so there was a big fight there, and uh, Rickus ends up kind of fighting him and doing some damage, like took off a a, a, a hand or whatever. And then, but but Rickus basically loses that fight, as I recall. But then wakes up wakes up in a tomb, has been saved by some spirits that dragged him down into a tomb. Well, basically, Caleb teleports the group away. Okay. Well, the three of them, it's just Kalem, Kakrik, the tri-queen that they rescued, right. and uh, and Rikas, and the Legion basically dies at Umbra's hand. Uh, so Umbra retreats back to Maiten, and at, at a citadel that they were, right. and, which is at that point, uh, that point of the bad guys realize that the citadel has race in there, and Rikas heads to the citadel, enters, because he has the sword, right. and uh, fights off again Umbra. Right. But that is, the wraiths got in their mind that he is Boris Abib. Right. Well, yeah, so that's, that's where, at least in my read of the thing, where he basically lost the fight, that fight against Umbra, but then was saved by these spirits. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he's saved by these spirits, the spirits who who are convinced that he's this great hero, Boris, um, who 
it turned out I, I it took me a, a chapter or two before I remembered. I know I know that name from somewhere. Oh, now I know where this is going, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I remembered the name of Boris, uh, and they've definitely yeah. they definitely foreshadowed it throughout this book. Um, yes, because they talk about um, the entity that would be Boris uh, several times without naming it as Boris, uh, and so and so the wraiths are like, well, they were eventually convinced. Okay, you're not Boris. So where is Boris? What happened to him? He was supposed to come back to us when he died. So he, he's not here. He must not be dead. What happened to him? Um, that book that you're hunting would probably know. You Now you need to go get the book and give it to us so we can figure out what happened to our great leader, Boris. Uh, and one of the wraiths embeds a, a gem into to yeah. Rickus's chest that, that, so that this wraith, the spirit, is sort of in his head at all times, right? And can take him over if it needs to. Uh, and so, and that freaks everybody out when they eventually, when the Legion and the other people eventually find out about it, because that's weird, dark magic that you've got embedded in your chest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but it actually takes a while. So they, he makes that deal. Okay, I'll get you the book. He doesn't really intend on following through with it, but they're like, yeah, but when the time comes, we can force him to do it. Yeah. Um, because he already promised to get the book for the dwarves. Yeah. And so then it's like a several chapters of him trying to catch up to his army, right? The army yes. like waited for him for several days. He didn't show up. They had to assume he was dead and they they moved on. The Templars were very quick to take over the army and say, no, we have to continue. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so eventually he catches up to them. But um, do I remember right that by the time he caught up to them, they'd already liberated the town? They, they, they had camped and I don't think they had reclaimed the camp. They were close to it, okay. but but there was there was the there was that that thing where he walked into the town and the Templars had had taken over and that one I forget his name the lead Templar had like set up his little throne inside of the town and they were drinking the wine and uh, and all of that kind of stuff and and I, I do remember him coming back and basically the Templars yeah. had been charged. I thought it was a camp. But oh, you, you know what? This was another thing that was weird. He did come back and find them in the camp, but he was like on death's door. So they once again just like left him in a tent in the desert and and attacked the town. So when he finally came to and was healthy enough, that's when he found them. So that was weird. Like they thought he was dead, so they left him. Then they found out he was alive, but he was sick. So they just abandoned him again. (laughs) Like you couldn't at least bring him along? Like (laughs) – it just shows how callous that the that, that the Templars are. I mean, the, the, for most and probably all of the Templars that are there, Rickus was a, a unruly slave who killed their old boss. Yeah, yeah but th- those weren't the only people there, right? Uh, Neva was there. Why didn't she, like, set up a, a yeah. <laughs> you know, that half-giant buddy was there that could have easily just tossed him over his shoulder and carried him, right? It, yeah. it, it seems astounding that they left him behind. But they did. Uh, he found them in town. They'd already won. It was way too easy because, of course, it was all uh, a ruse, right? And Rickus uh, basically retakes command, uh, shames the Templar, yeah. uh, takes over the Legion again, uh, and then quickly discovers, uh, they let you take this town over. This is a trap. You know, don't drink the wine. It's probably poisoned. They just left it out for us to find. 
um, you know, uh, and, and by being in town, now we're, now we're trapped in this place and we can't get out and they've got us surrounded. Uh, and so they tried to flee really fast and then got trapped in this, you know, arguably worse spot. <laughs> Uh, that what was like this valley or this canyon full of bones that they were trapped yep. in. Yeah, are bones. So. And meanwhile, there's this growing sort of conflict between uh, Rickus and Neva because Neva's got this connection to the dwarf, but Rickus doesn't really trust the dwarf, and uh, and he can't tell Neva about what the weird gym thing is in his chest because it's all keep being kept a secret, and he knows that if if he does something to piss off the spirit, it'll take him over and use him to kill Neva. Uh, well, from and, what I recall, too, the the, the spirit, you know, uh, the spirit inside, was also influence him and. Yeah, putting doubts up because he said, "Oh, there's someone who's a traitor among your mess and all that. Who right. is it? Is it a dwarf? Because the spirit doesn't want a dwarf to get back the book because it wants the book. So there's that triangle conflict right there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and and it reads in such a way that like you're not sure that that's what's going on. You just know that Rickus is really suspicious of this dwarf. It, and then then by the end, it becomes very clear that he was thinking that and thinking that way." Because he was being manipulated by the the spirit. Like sometimes it's obvious that the spirit is is manipulating him, and sometimes it's like, well, he just seems to be really suspicious, and he seems to be di- doing that on his own right now. But it turns out he really wasn't. There's also an aspect of it, of because that I always get the feeling that he was attracted to Neva, so he was also seen kill him as a rival for Neva. Well, they attention. they were they were outright together uh, at the beginning of the story, weren't they? They pretty much were. Yeah, I, I get the impression they, they were. They were basically. They slept together several times. Yeah. Uh, part of it, me was friends with benefits, but maybe. But there was I think this. That's what Neva was thinking, but Rickus maybe was not thinking that way. So. Well, there. Yeah, and there was this very clear, like, like, angle towards a building of a, of a longer relationship over time, part of their their connection, yeah. that that then got torn to shreds over the the gym and him not being willing to talk about what it was. Yeah. Of course, he wasn't willing to talk about what it was because the one time he kind of got close, the spirit took over his body and injured her. Uh, oh, and in fact, I think that's when he when he was abandoned. So I guess that's why she agreed to abandon him because last time he was with her, he almost yeah. killed her. <laughs> so. Killed her, right? And Kalen was like, no, no, he's too dangerous and all that. Right. So. So. Right. So so anyway, so they now I have to figure out how to get from that point. They they then have this big battle in the valley with the bones and yeah. they they win in part because the our sun cleric brings down a, a wall of I don't know, radiant radiant sun or whatever that destroys everything. It was lava. You, you redirected the lava. Oh, flow. was it a lava flow? Okay. okay. Yeah, from a volc- nearby volcano called the Smoking and, Crown. Yeah, and they and they were real hesitant to do it um, because they had already positioned part of their legion in in the way, and they knew yeah. that it would kill their people too. And then he then he shared, "Oh, I can do this thing," and they're like, "Well, that would have been good to know before we put them right in the middle of the way, right?" But, yeah. but now we have it a like we're probably going to lose them anyway. Yeah. But I don't want us to be the ones that kill our own people, and so then eventually they have to make the decision to to make the sacrifice in order to save the rest of the legion. Um, and but then they, but then the book still hasn't been found, right? Um, yep. And they end up 
do they end up all the way in Uruk, the the city state? Well, first things first, um, Milton surrenders to to, to Rickus, basically hands over a message to uh, to Rickus from his king Hamanu, the, the king of uh, which basically it, it, these are the terms of the war. These are the terms that, of to stop the war to get peace, which is basically Tyr restarts the iron trade, and the Gladiator Legion is gifted to Yurik as slaves. Right. And, and of course, Rickus is not too keen on the idea of going back into slavery, along with all the gladiators that, that he helped free that are with him in the Legion. Uh, yeah. and, and so Rickus comes up with this brilliant plan of, well, there's well, going to be a... There's gonna, what's that? First things first, he he actually speaks to Tithian about it, and Tithian is all fine with this plan. Yeah, oh no, yeah, Tithian's fine with the plan, and and there was also uh, this element of um, from Hamanu about oh well, um, Tithian and his free state uh, and all the freed slaves and all that that's that's all fine and good for now, but when the dragon shows up and decides that it wants its tithing, um, he's going to learn otherwise, and everybody's like, yeah. wait, what? Dragon? What are you talking about? <laughs> That's actually later in the book when he... Oh, actually, when he confronts him? When he actually confronts him and when they're fighting, that's right. where he gets revealed. But right now, in the book, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, he, yeah. He speaks to Tithian. Tithian says, yeah, I'm accepting the plan. Rickus just goes, no, we're not accepting the plan. Right, no. I'm here to make a decision. Absolutely. Well, and Rickus comes up with the, the his own brilliant plan, Um uh, and I guess it's born of the arrogance that he's kind of pulled this off once before, which is, you know, fine, I'm just going to go into the city-state and kill the Sorcerer King. Like, I killed the last one. I killed Kallik. Uh, you know, I might as well kill Hamanu. Part of that plan, too, was because he learned, because since Hamanu expected this response from Rickus, what they what Hamanu did is the Hamanu sent out his army to surround uh, Uruk so that way and cutting off any means of escape for the Gladiator army. So the only way that we could see is that they can go to New is if they go to Uruk. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So so he takes the army and they attack Hamanu and they start try to start a slave rebellion within Hamanu, or they do start a slave rebellion within Hamanu eventually. Yeah. Uh, and and Rickus is like, okay, you guys keep him busy. I'm going after the Sorcerer King. Gets there. Hamanu... Um, fairly readily like shuts Rickus down using his psionics um basically just leaves him i don't know more or less comatose uh, yeah. uh and then like shape changes into this like what was it like some sort of dragon creature and then goes out and enjoys the battle the lion yeah. yeah uh so so yeah it turns into this lion creature and runs out and starts yeah. joins the battle and starts destroying thing people um Rickus is, and that's when he he talks about you know Tithian's going to be surprised when he finds out about the dragon. Yeah, um, which we also find out that uh, actually is that no, it's a later one thing got the the book because right. in that time Neva and Caleb managed to go into to Maiton's noble manor, and mm-hmm. they go and manage to find the book of Kalan Kings and they also find the house slave which uh, who has was translating the book. Right. Uh, they free him. Uh, which after defeating 
after fighting and basically and the uh, uh, I believe is when the uh, Rickus makes a deal with the Wraith to be able to help out for the to, f- to fight off uh, and survive the battle versus Hamanu. Mm-hmm. And Hamanu leaves Rickus because he doesn't care anymore about, about it. Almost. Defeating Rickus was never really that important to Hamanu. Hamanu's no. at a power level that Rickus it doesn't really come up to. It doesn't. It's like, uh, and at that point, the Yurikai, the slave rebellion has started in, in Yurik, so so Hamanu has to deal with that, right? Which is to him is much more important than dealing with uh, dealing with Rickus. Right. Well, and to, so there's there's a degree to which I look at this as a DM, and I'm like, okay, so the first adventure, the first sort of arc of this story, um, I wanted to have a really big impact, so I had them kill a sorcerer king and deal with the yeah. repercussions of that. In the second arc, I got to make a point. Like sorcerer kings are not to be screwed with, you know. And and while it was it was a a, a bit of a Deus Ex Machina that allowed that allowed you to kill uh, Kallak in the last uh, story arc, like let's not, let's not get in our head that this is a thing you're going to do is just run from city state to city state, killing all the sorcerer kings. And also, the, like the first in the first in the first book, it was three heroes with a distinct plan. Attacking on three different fronts, including some artifacts. Right, including an artifact that was like specifically designed to do this thing. Yeah, that that they don't have anymore. They don't have anymore. No. So uh, the only thing that they have left is the staff, which, well, that's back in tier because Sadira is the one who has it, and right. she. Well, and all of that, again, all of that was sort of a, a deus ex machina anyway. Like, if I was running that, that battle against uh, Kallak in an actual D&D game without the, the, the deus ex machina of, like, if you accomplish these tasks, you just win, uh, and you had to fight him, you know, stats to stats, like, I still don't know that those heroes win that in that story, you know? I, I have Kallak's second edition stats mm-hmm. uh, books, and which also includes his stats of in the book where he's mid transformation, and I remember they were t- they were at challenging fights. But yeah, that was previous book. This book, I also have <laughs> Urix. I also have Hamnu stats. Which sure, yeah, sure. no, do, you you don't in second edition stats. No, you don't mess right. with Hamnu. He he will rip you a new one. Uh, so eventually, so yeah, so Hamnu just. Um, has higher priorities than Rickus. He's just not that important. He doesn't measure up. Uh, and so Rickus manages to basically you know, take his people and run and get out of there, right? Yeah. Uh, but I forget, in the process, the book is destroyed? I forget how the book was destroyed. Uh, no, basically, uh, it comes to a head. Basically, oh. Rickus had made a deal with the Wraiths to say to, that basically... If they get the book, Neva lives. Right, right, right. So he gives he up the book. That, he tells that to kill him, that in order to save Neva's life, uh, they have to give the book. Right. Since Kalem had pledged to be to save her life, he sees that's the only logical choice. Right. But 
as a recompense, we have that the slave who's been translating to rememorize the book. Well, who memorized like a couple of stories from the book that he'd gotten. To. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those situations where it's like, you know, this was a lot of really horrible stuff that happened because a couple of folks couldn't just talk to each other, right? Because oh. because the spirits don't need the book. They don't care about the book. They just want to find out what happened to Boris. So let yeah. him read the book and then give it back to the door. <laughs> it's like, who, like you could have solved all of this really in like five minutes, you know? Undead are known to be to to be really obsessive. I mean, they're so obsessive that they defy life itself. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, so they they make it back to to Kled, the the dwarven uh, settlement. Uh, the the slave that they captured or they they freed um, is given the option to stay and chooses to stay with the dwarves uh, and tells the stories as he remembers them. And he's, and it's clear that he's become a bit of an unreliable narrator because well, he gets partway through once. What's that? The spirit of Ricard shows up. Yes. And reveals that. Yeah, well, yeah, right. Well, he gets through one of the stories and he only gets like halfway through and he's like, uh, no, no, I don't remember the rest. I don't got it. Right. And so he tells a different story and then he tells that story. And this is the story of, of the dwar- when the this this these ruins were created when the dwarf the dwarven kingdom fell in battle against the dragon right this is the, the another time that the dragon is being mentioned and so they the the dwarven kingdom falls in battle against the the dragon uh, as as king ricard fights the dragon um, and then the the spirit of of king ricard which had kind of been around before just sort of walking around as a mummy and, and leaving everybody alone uh, comes out and speaks for the first time and says actually that's not how i remember it let me tell you what happened yeah. um, because in the book what was it in the book they said that that ricard killed the dragon maybe uh, uh, as king, i recall king ricard killed boris okay yes um okay. And then, and the, the, then Ricard, the spirit of Ricard shows up and says, actually, that's not what happened. Yeah. Um, and, and Rickus has to give, a, give back all of his nice dwarven artifacts, the belt and the sword. Except the sword. And, oh, does, oh does he, he gets, keeps the sword. Okay. He gets to keep the sword. Uh, but yeah, basically, it's revealed that, that uh, Boris retreated and years later became the dragon. Right and sapped by sapping the life force for every dwarf in Camelot, which is and, and, and now is you know the the entity that all of the sorcerer kings are afraid of and pay tithe to, which yes. which says something as we just had a conversation about how badass the the sorcerer kings were, uh, and mm. people don't want to challenge them, and then Boris is able to cow cow them. Uh, Boris the dragon is able yeah. to cow them into doing what he wants. So the the weakest sorcerer king. Was level twenty one, right? As, level twenty one, the filer slash Sionesis. right? The dragon is a level thirty, the filer slash Sionesis. right? Just yeah, I remember. I remember vaguely remember the st- plus. You know, has the stats of a dragon. Well, the the dragon because in in Athos there's just the one. Is that right? Or or am I going to find out later that there's more? Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> My understanding from I can tell you there's a book called Dragon Kings, okay. which deals about how the dragons are created because there is a creation process because dragons are not born but they are created. Right, because there's, that's what Kallak was trying to do was become a dragon. Kallak right? was well, Kallak was trying to short circuit the process. I see. 
it's usually as a 10 level process <laughs> which and which you cast a spell every single level and you know and you want to know i want to do all of it in one shot which is, one one his which is another reason that why it was helpful in the first book why he was easily killed off because he was in the process of something that he was probably going to kill him anyways mm-hmm. so this question of like did you really kill him or or, or, or was it because he was about to kill himself because you're not supposed to use the magic that way. Right, right. That's the question. We don't know, but whatever. People are claiming they kill him. Cool. Right. <laughs> but, but yes. So, so it is, it is a ten level process. So basically, uh, the the dragon up here, Boris, is the first one who ever completed the full process. Right. That's uh, yeah. I kind of remember something about that now. But yeah. So, but but that's weird to me as well because. That highlights the fact that the the reality that dragons are not like people are talking about the dragon that the sorcerer kings sort of are cowed by, like nobody's ever heard of this thing before. So it seems weird to me that when the the concept of dragons comes up, people like Rickers are like, "Oh yeah, dragons! I know what that is." Moving on, right? <laughs> that is a that seems to be a frame of reference they have, and I don't understand why they even have that frame of reference of, of what dragons are. Well, they they know of the dragon. They know that the dragon is a pose that comes every few times and asks for, asks for sacrifices. Nobody knows why, okay. but they know that. Okay, and they're always fearful. And it's but but if they know that, then why would Tithian be surprised that the dragon is going to come and ask for things? If they if they know that the dragon does that every now and then, why why did Hamanu say that Tithian would be surprised? Because he doesn't know he doesn't know <laughs> that it's actually a, 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 a specific deal or a spe- the reasons why he doesn't yeah. know because he wasn't there. Okay. That if you say I mean you you reveal later on why you've read more of it than I have so I trust you but that's not how I remember <laughs> that wasn't the impression I, I I was given the impression that Tithian just didn't know about the dragon like that it was a secret that the sorcerer kings kept because they didn't want people to realize that they were they were subjected to somebody else so that's the thing I'm trying to remember if it is how publicly known because probably it is not a public known but I do know that they do have that Kalak would br- grab a bunch of slaves and bring them to somewhere sure. and the dragon would go there. So that's probably what, what Hamnu means that, oh, you don't know this, but you're going to have to deal with this right. type thing. And, well, and then the dragon's going to be pissed when you don't show up with the sacrifice. Exactly. And, he's gonna, and it's going to come after the city. So, yeah. All right. I think we have, uh, we have scoured through this book fairly Fairly thoroughly at this point. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that shows is that, yeah, uh, Neva, when uh, Rickus wanted to return home, he asked for Neva to come home, and she decides to stay and cled with Killer. The dwarves. Yeah, and so it's interesting. Like, I, the series is iconic enough, and there's enough going on there that I kind of want to keep going. I kind of want to see what happens next. But if it wasn't for that, background if it was just based on on this book i i don't know (laughs) like it was it was fine but it didn't really drive me to like it wasn't great uh and there were weird pacing things where things just sort of happened and and rickus's tendency to just be like oh well this is really strange and and unusual and i should be freaked out by this but whatever uh you know uh that that's a little bit off-putting uh because i can't you know we as the reader can't see ourselves 
in that situation or we don't it's hard for for me to to recognize like is this supposed to be shocking and Rickus just accepts it or is this not supposed to be shocking and that's why Rickus is just accepting it right um yeah. so so and that's kind of makes it kind of weird to try to interpret all of the big reveals because they don't seem like big reveals to him he doesn't care <laughs> you know yeah so exactly that's it I, I, honestly, I'm not a big fan of Rickus as a character. I always find him like a, a bit blase and mm-hmm. a bit like, okay, you just accept stuff and you, he, he doesn't process the information. Right. He doesn't. He, you will tell him something. He always had already has his mind set on something. You will suppose it will waft by him and then he will continue what he had planned already. Right. He doesn't seem to listen really. You, you, and he struggles with that in that in this book. Right. You do see stuff he's done, and it, he gets surprised and all that. But he does learn, right? Well, and this this book also threw a lot of uh, characters that I, I feel like weren't like fully baked. You know, the half giant, even Kikrik to a certain degree. Like they they've kind of got a shtick, they got a gimmick, but they don't really have a personality uh which i guess is kind of the half giant shtick right it's that they don't really have a personality they just borrow from other people um yeah but 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 still like you introduce these new characters and they don't really hook you much at all you don't get much information about them they don't grow um the only character that really grew was Caleb the dwarf Sinclair. Well, and arguably Rickus, has, or at least he, he at least had a journey, right? Where where he well, had oh, a, the new characters introduced. Oh, the new characters, yes, yes. Uh, and then there's the the fact that, um, so far as I can recall, there's only like one female character that even gets any screen time. In the case yep. of, of Neva, like every other like screen time named character. Um, is male, uh, and 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 for reasons that are, are seem completely like their maleness seems completely unnecessary. Like it, they could have been female, yeah. and it would have been the exact same story. Um, yeah. So why not allow some of that representation to, to leak in as well? So yeah, uh, there's several instances I found that when reading it, it was like, wow, okay, you really just for some reason decide to sexualize a lot of Neva's just. Her appearance was really focused on it, and like, is this really necessary? Right well, now? and there was there was a, a very, it was sort of all off camera, but there was a very sort of sexual relationship there, for part of the book anyway. Um, oh yeah, and so, and 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 and, you get the impression that Rickus's primary driver in that relationship was the sexual part of the relationship. Um, whereas she was interested in maybe a, a relationship he, he wasn't. And so, and since it was told from his point of view, I guess you could see how she would become unnecessarily sexualized. Um, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily excuse the fact that it's all, that, that it was overly done necessarily, or that there was, yeah. there wasn't anybody female in the story that wasn't sexualized yeah. because she was the only female character in the story. So, yeah. And, uh, Part of her mindset of her wanting a more stable and more relationship is the fact that half dwarves are stellar out from the beginning. They cannot produce and all that. So she, since she wants that, it just made sense that she would go to mm. to kill him. So. Oh, oh, oh! There was a, there was another uh, named female character, the spirit. 
Tamar was a the spirit that that possessed uh, Rickus was female as well. So. Okay, I do so not two. remember that that spirit was 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 female because when I read it, it to me, I did not apply a gender to it. It just it was just a spirit, and it was the, like there was there was uh, a scene or two wherein. Um, they were like in his mind's eye and she was, you know, scantily clad or completely nude, uh, and being described in that way. So, um, oh. yeah. So, uh, but again, sexualized whenever she had, was pictured yeah. with physical form. So, all right. Because technically, I mean, if you look at a cover other than his armor. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> It's not. Well, that's one of the part of Dark Sun. I mean, Dark Dark Sun involves being scantily clad, so that is yeah. definitely a part of Dark Sun. Dark Sun. Um, I mean, and if I had to wear clothes that were made out of woven giant hair, maybe I wouldn't wear very many clothes either. So, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. I think that's the end of our episode talking about this book. Uh, it's time to say goodbye, and we want to say thank you to some folks. First of all, we want to say thank you to Skull Splitter Dice. If you go to skullsplitterdice.com slash tome show, you will find a coupon code there worth 15% uh, off of your first purchase from them. We also want to thank our uh, patrons at patreon.com slash the tome show. And we also want to thank those of you who shop uh, at Amazon and DMs Guild using our affiliate links at thetomeshow.com. If you want to get in contact with us, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can call the biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That might still work. I haven't checked it in a while, or I haven't gotten an alert for in a while that anybody's called. Um, if you want to tweet Tracy, uh, even though she wasn't on this episode, she is at Sarah Dark Magic on Twitter, and her website is sarahdarkmagic.com. Uh, you can tweet me. I am at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H. You can tweet Eric. He is at Eric with a C, M, and PAQ, P-A-Q. Uh, you can also tweet the show. It is at The Tome Show, although less and less, but mostly that's still me. Um, some other folks help manage that too. So uh, You can watch the stream of episode recordings at twitch.tv slash tomeshow, or you can watch the video after the fact on The Tome Show's YouTube channel. Show notes and other great shows will be available at thetomeshow.com. And that's our thoughts on the Crimson Legion. Next up, I am looking forward to digging into, in September, uh, The Killing Moon by N.K. Jemisin. This is a, a not D&D-specific um, book. This is by an author that I've heard a lot about but I've never read. Uh, and so, and, and it's also written, I think, with a little bit more modern sensibilities. Uh, she, she wrote uh, all of her books, I think, more recently in the 2000s, if I remember right. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to, to switching gears out of like, 80s-style D&D right, uh, books, which is what we've done lately, uh, into something else. Uh, all right, so, so that's the end. Uh, until we get to September, then you need to keep turning the page, Tomites, and reading the, our book club books. I'm not a